So you just have to act extremely quick um, because the efficiency is really what's going to make you succeed in this game. Uh, and so, yeah, you, you just have got to get, get really comfortable with being uncomfortable. Welcome to Startup Bill, the show where we discuss what it's like to build a tech startup and a startup ecosystem in a small city. I'm your producer, Ariel Delorier. Our host is Dan Gold. And today we're celebrating Canadian and Saskatchewan Innovation Week and Women Entrepreneurs Week. Innovation Saskatchewan and the Women Entrepreneurs of Saskatchewan, also known as West, are the inspiration for today's episode. While the technology sector in Saskatchewan is experiencing significant growth, women and Indigenous people continue to be underrepresented in the tech labour market. To address this gap, Innovation Saskatchewan collaborates with various partners to deliver programs centered around skills training and capacity building in groups underrepresented in the tech sector. Some of these programs and initiatives focus on engaging in digital skills and entrepreneurship include WESC's Founders Table. With the WESC Summit Gala Awards next week, we thought it'd be great to collaborate and invite a few of the finalists of the Innovation Award to join us to chat innovation, women in tech, and celebrate local women entrepreneurs making waves in their local ecosystem. In this episode, we'll hear from Kayla Kozan with Peak Wellness, Dr. Christine Beck of Wegomail, and Alicia Soulier of Salonscale. We're going to kick things off with an intro to all things West with Josie Fries from their local team. Welcome to Startup Bell. Startup Bell is brought to you by Innovation Place and Mentum Charlton Communications. We're a nonprofit membership-based organization. Um, we've been around for over 25 years, and our focus is really helping women entrepreneurs to start or to, to grow and scale their businesses. So we provide a ton of different services for them, um, whether it's business advising, we have financing, so loans, um, lots of different training and, and events as well. Um, so that's kind of the core services that we offer. Um, we've also been quite big in the advocacy world the past the past little bit. Um, so not only do we work with those women entrepreneurs to help them grow and start their businesses, but working really closely with government or various influential organizations across Saskatchewan to really help close the gender entrepreneurship gap too. So that's kind of WESC in a nutshell. Um, I mean, we're here today to talk about uh, Women Entrepreneurs Week and Innovation Week, and I love that it's on the same week. There's some great kind of balance we can do there. Um, so yeah, this year, WESC has a couple um, finalists for our Innovation Award, um, which is sponsored by Innovation Saskatchewan. So we're really excited for that. And that award really is awarded to an entrepreneur who's doing things differently, who's doing things in an exciting way. So often we get focused on kind of that tech part of innovation, and that's definitely a piece, but you can be innovating in your business in different ways without the tech component too. So um, really it's just, are you doing something in a really innovative and neat way that others aren't doing? Um, so we'll have that recipient of that award presented with that award on May 25th at our gala. Um, so we're excited to see who the winner is there. Ever since I think 1996, WESC has actually been asking the government of Saskatchewan to proclaim this third week in May as Women Entrepreneurs Week. Um, so it's been going on for quite some time. Uh, we definitely use this week to, to celebrate our women entrepreneurs, to raise awareness of their contributions to our economy, and just in general to support local owned businesses. So lots of different things people can do to kind of get involved with that week. 
Um, but women entrepreneurs, we know they contribute over $23.1 billion to our Saskatchewan economy, um, which is amazing. And they create over 191,000 jobs. So that's definitely something to celebrate. So this week is all about amplifying those voices and raising those women up. If you're looking to get involved with WESC, um, you can just hop on our website, wesc.ca. Uh, we have a great membership page that kind of outlines all of our options and what you can do there. Um, but of course, we're here over the phone if you have any questions as well. So you can feel free to call our office, um, visit our, our website, or you can submit an email through our website as well. Firstly, Kayla, introduce yourself and then let's have the elevator pitch for who uh, Peak Wellness is. Sure. So my name is Kayla Kozan. I am the founder of Peak Wellness. I started Peak Wellness over in 2019 and we exist to serve burnt out, stressed out professionals with wellness classes. Um, we serve all kinds. You've got a lot of stressed out accountants out there, um, lots of different industries, company sizes. And we've been able to do that in the last couple of years, a lot of virtual classes. So supporting remote and hybrid workplaces. Uh, and we're just getting back to our onsite classes too, as the world is opening back up. When it comes to launching a product or a service, going straight into a pandemic is probably um, a challenge, but it also represents opportunity if you've got that ability within a business model to apply it to um, non-traditional outside of office or outside of space uh, working. Just tell me about that journey on how you looked at how the world changed and how you modified what you were doing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when I started the company in Toronto in 2019, my goal was to have on-site clients. So we would send facilitators in different cities to these on-site clients, meditation classes, yoga classes. We were just getting started. I was so excited because we had locked in clients in New York, Toronto, and Montreal. And so that was a pretty big win for us. Um, and then you can imagine March 13th, 2020, we lost all of our clients in the same day. Um, and at the time, I mean, they're closing their offices. Um, so we couldn't even go there if we wanted to. But the idea was like, we're just going to close our offices for you know, a couple of weeks and then we'll be back and we'll be back on track. Uh, and as everyone knows, that uh, was derailed for quite some time and it did uh, force us to quickly pivot uh, to virtual classes. And so I think we were very fortunate looking back. It's like it was a huge bonus, a great strategy or pivot for our business that I don't think we would have done otherwise. And so we had a little bit of the infrastructure set up to go virtual put in a good couple of weeks of just transitioning everything over and then we were open to the world, so to speak. <laughs> so you talk about your your footprint. So you originally started it in Toronto, you're now Saskatoon based. I'm in Regina, yep. Oh, you're Regina based. Sorry, I was looking at the company registration and it says you're a Saskatoon oh, company. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Registered in Saskatoon, you got it. Okay, well, you're Saskatchewan mm -hmm. either way. So um, what was the motivation behind that move? Was it the case of, hold on, the world has changed, I can now do this from Saskatchewan. It was always the goal to move to Regina. So um, born and raised in Regina, my family's here. I think this is the best place to start a business, the best place to um raise a family, and it had everything I wanted. And so the goal was to start the business in Toronto, 
garner a bit of interest where some of the larger companies are and the headquarters, move back home to Regina and have essentially uh, members of our teams in some of those larger cities. So I could kind of run the business from here, but we had representatives in, you know, uh, Toronto, New York, Vancouver, those larger city centers. So when it comes to the business model itself, because that's the side that we're particularly interested in, when you look at your um, teams, are they uh, associates, are they employees, subcontractors? How does that side of it work? Yeah, that's a great question. So our facilitators, depending on how many classes they teach for us, they can range anywhere from working for, I mean, half an hour to like 10 hours a week for us. So they're all independent contractors. Um, for all of them, working for Peak is like a part-time, part-time job. So they're doing it alongside other projects or roles that they have. And this is kind of their passion project or what they like to do uh, in addition. So they're all independent contractors. Okay, so here's the important thing. When you're bringing other people on to be a representative of your organization and they're the ones in the room or in that space with those working relationships, how do you maintain your standards across multiple uh, different locations and multiple different personalities. Yeah, I mean, I see the different personalities and perspectives and training as our competitive advantage. We hire facilitators and select facilitators that are more talented than I am. <laughs> so that's always been our goal. Find facilitators who are kind of ex experts in their field. We have core values that we like to share with them and kind of align on. We share tons of training videos. So I actually haven't met most of our facilitators face to face. We have facilitators in uh, like five different countries. And so we do all of that virtually. It's kind of a new world of being able to align virtually, train virtually. Um, and then, yeah, they're Quite quickly, most of the time, I mean, they're just such a great uh, face to have uh, associated with us. So it's about, I think, communicating core values, what our goals are, making sure we're aligned there, and then just letting them do their best work uh, and letting them show their expertise. One thing that always sparks my interest around an organization, specifically Canadian organizations trying to work into the U.S. market, is the fact that in the majority of cases, when you've got a like-for-like like organization, we've all got our USPs, but when you've got a like-for-like like organization, you've got someone in the US compared to those who are um, Canadian-based. You tend to find the American ones are willing to just put more money into the marketing to get the to get the word out. How did you approach that American, you know, footprint that launch that push? That's a great question. That. The U.S. has always been our uh, primary market, so about 80% of our clients are in the U.S. actually. And we developed that uh, entirely through content marketing for the first like year and a half to two years. We really, really, um, that was like one of my core focuses because I wasn't that busy because we didn't have clients yet. So <laughs> that was like the easiest thing for me to do was just share what I knew, write what I knew about, um, and to have that on our website. And our website is essentially... It's our main form of marketing and we have a .com website, which was really important in the beginning to not have a .ca. We have a .com and um, that traffic just comes through organically. And it is primarily, um, I mean, just percentage uh, as aligned with percentages, we get about 10 times the traffic from the U.S. 
which is amazing. If if more Canadian organizations understood the value of content marketing and, st- and storytelling to really push across the line rather than just going, I'm going to run an ad, I'm going to run an ad, I'm going to run an ad, they would really be able to disrupt a lot of markets. So that's something that I, I really appreciate. Um, so I've got a piece of paper in front of me, and it says that you're nominated for the Innovation Award at the WESC Summit Gala this year. Um, tell me a little bit about what it means to you to be nominated. And secondly, uh, explain the innovation side of what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it means so much. This is my home. This is the community that as a business, we've always really wanted to be a part of. I want to employ um, individuals like on the business side in Saskatchewan. And that's always been really important to me. And so the Innovation Award nomination, it's a it it means a lot because Peak is kind of uh, my baby and I did work on it alone in my apartment for like a year and a half. And so you go a long time and especially through kind of the ups and downs of COVID, just sometimes, you know, most of the time I had that confidence and that conviction in what we do, but every, you know, one day a week, you're like, am I on the right path? Like, what is this? Does this even make sense? Um, We're in a kind of unique industry and we have a unique product. And so um, it's just really nice to be recognized by the community. I think it gives some validation to the work that we're doing and, and what we care about so much. If there are people who are living in one of the big cities of, of Canada, if they're in, you know, uh, Toronto or Vancouver, or they're in Ottawa, and they're looking for that opportunity to change their life, to de-stress, to live in somewhere with more than you know ten square feet of space. What would you say to them, as someone who obviously loves Saskatchewan and the prairies, but has also had that experience of moving into the shoebox? What would you say to them to? Really, you don't have to convince them hard, I'm sure. But what would you say to them to say, hey, look, there is another way? Yeah, I mean, it's been a fascinating journey for me. I spent about seven years living in Toronto and that was like downtown Toronto. So pretty hectic lifestyle. For me, I always wanted to get myself on the path so I could come back home. Um, And I feel really strongly that the prairies, especially, they're a great place to, you know, start a business, to start a family, to pursue what you like to do in a way that is, um, you know, to actually have and to be able to support and maintain the lifestyle you want. That was a big thing, um, you know, with kind of my age group in Toronto in the last few years is just trying to be like, is this something we can afford? Is this even realistic for us? Uh, and I know it's driven a lot of people to experiment with different options. If you're able to work remotely, um, you know, the quality of living is exceptionally high uh, here in Saskatchewan. And so it was a really easy decision for me. My family's here um, and that was my goal in the community I wanted to come back to. Um, But I think it does have a lot of people kind of looking around and looking about, you know, do you want to have uh, a whole family living in a tiny little apartment. And so I think it depends on your values, what you want the most of. But I really like that this is my home base. We can travel anywhere from here. Uh, we try to travel as much as possible, uh, but to always come back home in a place that's, uh, yeah, a great lifestyle for us. So moving forwards from here, what is what is next for Peak Wellness? 
Yeah, we're super excited. We're continuing to build out the business side here. We found that kind of product market fit. We found our audience. We found the spot where our classes are really, really impactful. Uh, and so it's just looking to scale that to reach more organizations um, with our services, bring on some more people on the business side. We need to add new facilitators right away. We basically can't train them fast enough. Um, and then to expand it to some of those big key cities back with our on-site classes. So that's like Toronto, New York, um, San Francisco, Austin, Boston. They're all kind of on a list of uh, to do. <laughs> well, Kayla, I'm very excited for your future. I think this is a, a wonderful model, a wonderful example of resilience, agility, and the ability to apply different thinking to ensure that there is growth and really taking those opportunities. If people want to find out more information about you and Peak Wellness, where could they go? Yeah, you can always find me on LinkedIn, just my first name, last name, um, or you can find us online. It's Peak Wellness Co. So peakwellnessco.com. Christine, just give us a little bit of background on you and the elevator pitch of what Matt Waggle Mail is. My background is I am a veterinarian, so I'm obviously really passionate about advocating for the health and well-being of animals. Um, but I also am an entrepreneur at heart. So I love building businesses. Um, I've built businesses in different industries. And elevator pitch on Waggle Mail. So Wagle Mail for me was kind of an entry point into the pet care market. And uh, it is a vet curated subscription box for dogs and their humans that is tailored uniquely to every dog's needs. So their age, their breeds, any um, health and wellness needs. Okay. That sounds like a heck of a scope of a project to be involved in. When you looked at the marketplace, the entrepreneurial side of you, when you looked at the marketplace and you saw what was on offer already, what made you think, hmm, there's a gap and it's got to have been beyond, well, there's not a lot of Canadian provision in this kind of service. It's got to be more than that. So what was the gap that you looked at and went, we can differentiate ourselves. Our USP is this. Yeah. And the gap is not only just in the dog subscription box world, but the gap was just there in general for what I call dog parents. Um, I'm one of them. So dog owners are now dog parents and they really want what is best for their dogs. And I was frustrated as a veterinarian, um, the lack of access for them to quality products and accurate information. So it, it start, it's starting with this box, but um, the gap was there is no convenient access, right? Like it, it, it's difficult. So you need to either communicate with a vet or you're stuck, um, researching on your own in an overwhelming world of Dr. Google and pet stores. So that's the, that's kind of the gap that I saw. Um, and it starts with the box. So you say it starts with the box. It sounds to me like there's a platform or an opportunity that goes on from here. Really, this is the yes. this is the gateway to the rest of this universe that you're putting yes. together. Take us on that journey. Yeah. So my ultimate vision. So I absolutely 
love, like I mentioned, advocating for health and wellness. And, and really my vision is to empower um, dog parents globally with access to quality products, accurate information. So my journey starts with this, this, these amazing dog boxes that are truly curated with such things. Um, but from there, I really do want to create a platform um, where dog owners can access other things as well, right? So it's, it's sort of like a one-stop shop for everything that dog parents need access to. I can only put so much into a box. Um, so whether it may be, gosh, digital courses or first aid courses or access to if you're searching for the right dog sitter or um, you name it, just a just sort of a platform, right, where, where everybody can kind of communicate and like-minded individuals, yeah. So the subscription service, the box service, is an incredibly popular model across multiple mm-hmm. sectors around the yes. world, from everything from movie fans having boxes with nice surprises mm-hmm. coming in them to pet-related ones to film photography and, and the such like. Um, it's a very... It's a very decent margin model. That's one of the things from a business side that is really appealing about these. When you look at the numbers and and kind of you get towards that critical mass of we need to hit X mm-hmm. number of subscribers so that we're you know moving the business on. So we're growing the business to that next step to be able to invest that into the platform so that, uh, you know, this work doesn't do itself. You're going to have mm-hmm. to get to that point of employing people to do X, Y, and Z because you are physically one person. No matter how many people you collaborate with now, it's got to grow. So when do you get to that stage of going into that next part of your universe? How many, you know, percentage-wise of subscribers that you've got now, where is the growth level that you need to see to get into that next stage to manage your expectations and the promising world that we're looking at? Mm -hmm. And that's a good question. And I don't have an exact answer for you because right now this was, this was a good, like, you know, and like you stated, there's lots of dogs or lots of subscription models out there. Um, I'm following a model that I know works. I've seen in some competitors. I'm using something that's kind of a, a tried and true model. Um, to get those subscribers and to get that brand awareness as per exact amount. I don't know because as I communicate and as we learn, um, there's lots of various hyperscalable channels. So it's really just choosing, um, choosing right now to know that I might not know what next step is the best step to get me to that platform, but it's coming. And as long as we're tracking our data and analyzing what we're doing appropriately, we can make those decisions. And I'm growing a team that I'm really proud of and I'm excited for when that number is the right number to make those transitions. But we're already thinking about it. We're already building some things in that will be um, added into our our current um, product and service offering. When it comes to the modeling of what you are doing and the opportunities that you've got ahead of you, you're, you're building this client base. And when it comes to scaling, there are multiple options. There's obviously self-funding and bootstrapping. There's taking in st- external investment, tying into um, partnerships and, and commercial agreements with external parties. 
Which model are you really looking at for for growth? Is it going to be more make it self-sustaining and reinvest that, or would it be the stage of in your you know your strat plan, your five-year business model, your ten ten-year vision that you've looked at that you go, okay, well we'll we'll scale by doing X because it's going to take capital. Hmm. So. Right now, I mean, our focus is new user acquisition, but I do understand that with subscription box models, you always have that challenge of um, bringing in new users and also retargeting ones that you've maybe lost, right? And then the rest of your market share is kind of gobbled up by, by other industries. So I plan on leveraging our expertise, our customer relationships that we're building, these trusted relationships, um, and using the data that we're collecting to drive our decisions. So um, if that provides any clarification, it's it, it's really this data that we're collecting and mm-hmm. this analytics platform that I'm developing as we collect this data then the data can tell me which piece to build out first. So if individuals are absolutely loving, let's say our subscriber base is, um, gosh, exploding with puppies. So we're launching these puppy packs next week. So I don't know what this new product line, are the puppies going to take over this, this, this model or are adults and seniors? So those have complete different needs and there's complete different ways that I can provide purposeful touch points in puppies' lives versus adults' lives versus senior lives. And I believe that I we can do that throughout the lifetime of a dog, but it's figuring out um, which type, yeah, which touch points catch and which ones we want to optimize at that mm. time. And I think that's a challenge with all startups, right? Is which opportunity, which shiny thing do you go after next? <laughs> so we've, you know, entered the market, we're getting sales, we've had positive traction. Um, but how are we going to take that to the next level? It, yeah, it's, it's gauged by this, this data. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when it comes to having those conversations with whether it's potential investors or a bank or whatever it is, this is the information that's going to certainly fill in the gaps from, you know, we we estimate this. We we have a feeling about forty five degree growth on a chart, but here are the actual numbers and our data. Um, you've been nominated for the Innovation Award with the uh, West Summit Gala this year. Tell me about the innovation and how you're bringing that to the forefront with pets, particularly. I think I fell into innovation. Like I I saw an issue. I saw. M- psychology changing with dog ownership. I saw, I I see big trends happening. And so just, just a few things to like throw out there. Like I, I know I mentioned dog owners or dog parents now, but especially with COVID and what just happened, I think the trends that we're seeing is that just like humans um, want a healthier lifestyle, increased focus on fitness, um, turning to supplements for improved well-being, technology is also playing a larger role in their life. So I was like, okay, so how, how does this tie into um, dog parents and what they want for their dogs? So I took that as how can I innovate the space 
to use technology to help dog parents give those things to their dogs. And that comes with figuring out a way to reach into the digital space and connect those things. And from that, in bringing this innovation and the opportunities and the relationship building you've got with the owners or, or the, um, uh, the dog parents, um, you've obviously aiming for that, you know, with launching into the puppy space, you've got that opportunity to be a lifelong provider of products and services throughout mm -hmm. the life of the pet. And the monetization that comes from that side of it and the building of your organization and the growth of new products, new services, new technology, mm -hmm. and the learning that goes on, that truly has an incredible uh, opportunity to scale, which is incredibly, incredibly exciting. We're in Saskatchewan. We mm -hmm. are geographically quite far from a lot of places. When you look at the <laughs> big corporations in the pet market and everything that's been built up around them, you tend to find that they, like many other industries, tend to hub. And what you also get is, for example, the people that or the organizations that were the food manufacturers got bought out by other organizations and then technology providers then get bought out by those food manufacturers etc i like the story of disruption i like people. the opportunity that we have to do something different to look at that opportunity to scale once you've got the model working well in one place you can scale it and scale it and scale it but one of the key parts that comes to this is how you communicate this and marketing budgets. If there's something different between the United States and the big manufacturers and looking at uh, what we do here in Canada, we don't tend to put as much into the marketing effort in financial dollars. They outspend us about um, seven to one in, in many markets. So how do you get past being outspent potentially by other providers when this is a really great model. I mean, marketing dollars can be put in lots of ways, right? Mm -hmm. So in regards to being outspent, like I do know that a, a lot of subscription models spend a lot on paid media, for example, yeah. right? Um, so from day one, we've been really focused on attacking other routes and looking at creative channels that service who we believe our customers are. Um, so we spent a lot of time starting that from the get-go. So we didn't focus on normal routes like paid media because yeah, starting out as a startup, I don't have a $50,000 to $100,000 a month paid media budget, right? Yeah. But I do have the capabilities to leverage very unique channels and social channels um, to, to kind of develop that relationship in a way that dog parents want in a way that's genuine and in a way that we're actually providing, um, purposeful information in a more genuine way. So in regards to outspend, yeah, they, they, they have more dollars, but you just have to be more creative and more tactical about where you put your marketing efforts to. And I think, um, people who are following along our journey, we've got some exciting changes happening within the next few months because we've learned really quickly what we can't compete in and where we think we can challenge um, what the industry standard was or what it used to look like. Um, yeah, 
if, if that makes sense. So yes, there's, there's a lot mm. of money being spent out there. And, and right now we are a product forward company and we know we have to put um, dollars into marketing, but that's, yeah, just put it in the right place. 100%. And, and that's where I really wanted to get to because the number of times we see someone who's trying to disrupt the market bring something different. Mm-hmm. Immediately, it's a case of, okay, well, we've got to get this in front of people in X, Y, and Z. We can do content marketing. We can tell stories. And, you know, everyone does it to a lesser or greater extent. And the key comes, a lot of this comes to targeting, macro targeting exactly the right people and then lean on them to get into that advocacy. There is still in this world, the number one way to grow is through word of mouth. And that hasn't mm-hmm. changed in the digital world or the physical world. It's all one world. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited for your journey forwards. Um, when we were talking about this in the office, the opportunities that come from it are mm-hmm. incredible. And I'm mm-hmm. very, very proud to say uh, that you are here. And uh, this is going to be one of the biggest, I promise you, this is going to be one of the biggest stories to come out of Saskatchewan. I promise you that. Uh, if people wanted to find out more information about you and Waggle Mail, where could they go? On Monday, we'll actually have our Waggle Mail 2.0 <laughs> site launched. So you can look right now on wagglemail.com. Um, if you have any questions, like, gosh, you can email us directly at hello at wagglemail.com as well. Um, yeah, check us out. We're always, we've got big ears. I want to hear from people. Um, yeah, that'd be the best place to find us. Alicia, it's a little while since we spoke last. I I hear you are fresh off the plane and you're just getting settled back back at the desk. Uh, What's been going on? Give us the 30 seconds of uh, what's happened in the last period of time since we last spoke. Oh, well, (laughs) I think there's been a tremendous thing. I think all startups are experiencing uh, change in in different directions. But I think since we talked last, um, I think what we really have is discovered that product market fit. So SalonScale has really um, identified exactly how to serve the market. And obviously, we kind of serve around that cost of goods. We We handle a lot of those kinds of parts of salons. And so right now, because that's burning a hole in many of these salon owners' pockets, that's where we're getting a tremendous amount of growth. So we probably almost tripled our business since the last time I saw you. That is wonderful news. Wonderful news. That makes me incredibly happy. And when we first spoke to you, you were really leading this alone. Then on our second interview, you were you'd formed, you know, a new structure to the organization. Looking back on it now, and this is something that people are always looking at when they're considering making a change or accepting new investment or any remodeling of what they've been used to. Clearly it's worked out rather well, but how did you find the dynamics and the relationships over the time since we last spoke? Yeah, I think, I mean, never get comfortable. Uh, That's something that you have to get used to in Startup Bill and Startup Land. We'll just use the name to work with this one. But I think... I think sometimes things are seasonal and I think that relationships change. And especially when you're going at such a fast rate in a startup, people change. You know, your customers are probably starting to change. Your staff's probably trying to change. Your co-founders are starting to change. And so you just have to act extremely quick um, because the efficiency is really what's going to make you succeed in this game. Uh, And so, yeah, you you just got to get 
get really comfortable with being uncomfortable. So it's, it's the comfort factor, it's agility, it's there's still got to be that mindset, that belief set that I've gone in this direction for a reason, there is a purpose behind this, but I am strong enough as a person to be able to go, if it needs to iterate or change again, or if I need to do something, make decisions, then I can't be afraid of those conversations. Yes, I think if you are a founder, uh, it is a lonely position. And I think sometimes you have to have that resiliency. You have to wake up every day and know that no one's going to come and save you. No one's going to do this for you. You have to be able to do it. Um, and then you have to somehow convince all these people around you to, you know, feed off of that same mindset. So it's extremely important to get your mindset right and to know that that is really the true secret to getting success. And that's the true secret to get through any of the hard high and lows is just really getting your mind around that you're going to get beat up a lot through this. Um, but you know, you, if you believe it, that you are the person and you are the thing that's going to make that happen, uh, that will be the thing that will get you through it. With that, I was always told if I'm really angry at work or if anyone's, I mean, I'm not bringing it just on me, but if people are angry <laughs> at work and you've got family and you're going to walk through the door, there's the three second test. It's like you put your hand on the door handle or you make this decision. I'm not going to bring my work things home with me. So I'm going to count for three seconds and then fresh mindset, go into the house. This is home space. There's an element of that the other way around when you're a founder of an organization. I don't think we've spoken about it, but it's that when you're trying to motivate others with a billion things going on in your head at a rapid rate where there's risk reward and there's cliff edges at times because that's the nature of the beast, um, there's got to be that element of I'm going into the office today. I want to be true and authentic and, and be there as me but at the same time i'm not saying there's a performative element but it's very easy for a founder or a leader to drag a company if you're not in the right mindset so it's again going into the office just thinking before you open that door and see your team how am i how do i want to be perceived by them and that bit you said about loneliness is you have to internalize a lot but those moments and that balance between authenticity, being your true self, and being able to speak and communicate openly with your team. There's got to be a balance. How have you found that balance when you put your hand on that door handle, open it, and you walk through it? Yeah, I think that's a great uh, comment because I think your um, energy is really what's going to fill your company. So if you're pissed off, your company is going to be pissed off. And if you're happy, your company is going to be happy. And it's just a reflection of your energy or your, your, you know, your state of mind. So what I learned recently was there's another door. And sometimes I think we think you're stepping into like home life and you're stepping into work life and you're coming in and out of this door. But really there's a secret path and that path is on, on, on the inside, inside of those walls. And it's more of an observation or an analytical mindset. And what you have to kind of do is step yourself back to where you're observing both roles and learning how to stay in control of the emotion. So that's exactly what you're saying is instead of thinking you're going inside one room or inside the other, you're almost stepping out and stepping um, away from the problem and trying to control those thoughts. And th there's this whole other realm in your mind that you can get to where you can control your outcomes a little bit more if you just step a little bit back. So it's that secret little 
little space that kind of is more um, allowing you to observe your life instead of just being reactive all the time. I have heard that one of the tips is don't take everything so personally because very often it's not a personal attack. No, I think you, you do because it's your baby, right? You built built this business and it's just so you're like blood, sweat and tears are into this thing, you know? And so you have to almost realize that there's so many other angles to a story or so many angles to get to a decision. And I think when we reach just that conflict, we have to make sure we unpack that. So that's not a personal, it's not a personal thing. It's, you know, how do we get there? And so I always feel like some of the best strategies for me was just ask questions. So something, you know, when something would come and it'd be like, well, where did we think about that? How did we get to that decision? Um, You know, can you unpack that for me? Asking questions allowed me to see a little bit more where why the outcome came there instead of just going straight into being like, what is going on? How did this happen? You know, being a little bit more manic, I guess. So questions really help uh, to help kind of descale your mind there. Yeah. Uh, and look, we're not going to drag Simon Sinek and the book off the bookshelf again. But but when you get back to the core of why, it really does start to make sense about situations, personalities, how things came to be, etc. But the reason we've got you on today, and I'm very excited about this, because you're heavily involved with WESC. And with your role with that, I, I wonder if you could actually, before I talk through that, which isn't my place, but just explain to me what your role with WESC is in helping others. Yes. Yeah, so I've been an ambassador for WESC uh, for several years. Um, and I think my role is to, you know, be a reflection of what a woman entrepreneur looks like in the province um, and be an advocate to others to make sure that we're closing the gap. Uh, I think sometimes there's this imposter syndrome that comes from business and women behind business. Um, and so my, my role and my goal uh, is to just be able to say that it is possible and to show up, be a part of the community and be another ear and support uh, for, for other women that are out there that just need a little bit more help to realize that they do have a superpower. Uh, they just need to shine it to the world. The thing that I've always got from from the mentoring and everything that I've seen from Wesk and people who have been involved is that strength, individual strength and the strength and belief in people in, in oneself isn't always necessarily there, but it truly is there, but it's not appreciate. We don't always appreciate it in ourselves as people. And sometimes it's the conversations help people believe in themselves again after facing X, Y and Z. Um, I don't want you to mention individual conversations, but when you have been speaking to people in general and you're trying to help someone see how strong they really are, what are those moments like? What are those ahas that come from it where you see someone take that step and go, I not only feel supported, but I feel and I believe in that inner strength that I already have? Yeah, I think it's really how you approach the conversation with someone. And... I think it's important to st- stand beside them and look at the problems that they're talking about. And that's something that I've kind of done with a lot of new startups, new entrepreneurs, is just to say, you know, what is the problem you're trying to execute? Um, because nine times out of 10, a lot of the times is they're not clearly defining the problem. And so they're trying to so- go into solution mode a little too quickly. Um, and so what we really try to do is like, if we can clearly identify the problem and then we use your strength within, you're going to come up with multiple solutions. You're going to be able to like 
totally get your goals and accomplish everything. And so my favorite thing is just kind of sitting back and saying like, how are we going to, how are we going to solve that? And watching them unpack it. And then just, you know, you're just there alongside them as a coach, letting them figure it out. And then at the end, it's like, see, you had the strength the whole time. You had the vision, you need to trust yourself. And now, now uh, the rest is yours. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to lift the curtain. I want to go behind there. I want to have the Wizard of Oz moment with you. When there is that moment of coaching and supporting and just being there for someone, we all, let me reword that. When you're someone who gives back to the community and you're willing to coach and support other people, sometimes we we do close the door on what's happening in our own lives, in our own work, because it's easy to look at someone else's issues and problems and opportunities and really just help them. Have you ever had that moment like I have where you're speaking to someone and you realize there's a second audience in that conversation and you're actually speaking to yourself as well? Yeah, actually it's funny that you say that because I think that's the whole point. If you don't coach it, then you can't coach, like you can't grow if you don't, if you don't give those, you know, gifts out. And so I think what's the most powerful thing about being a mentor and guiding someone through those stages is that you will in return be coaching yourself. Um, I think the best mentor you will ever have is yourself. And some of the questions you need to ask yourself, like if I was coaching this person, uh, what would I say? And so if you kind of self reflect and you do that, you know, you're just going to be able to grow because you're internally building that internal mindset. Um, and so you're right about that is that when you give it away, you're creating an empty space for you to start now thinking internally, well, okay, now that I've given that concept out or allowed that person to inflate, um, what, you know, what am I going to do with this new room? And that's where that kind of constantly expanding your mindset and exploring all the opportunities and how you could keep, keep growing. Um, that's exactly what you need to do. I, I, I love moments like that because it's that breathing and you allow yourself to really live that journey as well, rather than going, here's a plan, here's a strategy, bum, 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 and being rigid and not having that ability to go, there is another way. There's another way of thinking or feeling about this. So often in business, I've seen so many people go, here's the strat plan. Here are the tactics that we're going to use. Here are the goals but they don't address how we feel on that journey and how that can actually influence the decisions that we make. And and I will 100% say, there is a reason why we say trust your gut. There is a reason why we say go with your feelings. And, and so many people play it down as in being hard-nosed or taking on a militaristic view to taking on the world. But actually, when you truly listen to yourself, you kind of like yourself a bit more as well. I found when I when I went through, you know, I was running a thing back in the UK and I didn't, didn't listen to myself when I hit various limits at different places and I didn't necessarily enjoy or like what I was doing. When I gave myself a pause and a step back and I listened to others uh, and myself, it was like, yeah, this is so good. I think you're right because I think your mind is almost um, 10 times faster than maybe your experience on this earth and where you're at. And so when you're, you're paving the future and you're doing this, you're almost like, you know, you're, you're, you're preparing yourself. You're like, 
becoming, you know, you're manifesting it. And so what happens is I think sometimes we, it's hard to catch up. So it's hard uh, to come to a place of presence and pause and, you know, listen and truly listen to what your, your, your thoughts are telling you. Um, so I think it's really important. I think when you look at the greats and you look at people who have tremendous amount of success, is they're able to take that wandering, like wandering mindset and take that expansion mindset and contract it and come back to creating action. Um, and those, those, those are the people that you're starting to see grow is they don't wait. They take that information in and then they, they execute. I always enjoy speaking with you. I always enjoy listening to you. And when you do those um, bits online and public speaking, it's always a fascinating um, insight that you provide us. For you as as a as an individual, for you as an entrepreneur, why was WESC the thing that you wanted to be involved with? I think from the very beginning, um, finding about about WESC, it made me have a sense of belonging. And it was a platform that I started to feel was safe to explore uh, what I wanted to do with, you know, my career and, you know, the goals that I had. Um, And I think it was just a natural fit for me. Um, It was it was it was inevitable. I think that that needed to happen. Uh, And then I think quite honestly, um, I, I think because I had that escape, because I had those people around me, I was able to let go of some of those emotions and be able to have a team of support that allowed me to execute what I needed to do. Well, Alicia, it's always a pleasure to connect with you. How could people get in touch with you? Absolutely. So um, all my handles are all at SalonScale and my personal Alicia.SalonScale on Instagram, of, of course. Um, and then, yeah, our website, www.salonscale.com. Feel free to reach out anytime. Startup is brought to you by Innovation Place, helping grow the tech sector in Saskatchewan, Canada, and is produced in partnership with Martin Trollton Communications at wetellyourstories.ca. Our show is produced by me, Ariel Delorier, and our host, Dan Gold. Our theme music is from GG Riggs and Reactor Productions. Find out more about us and our guests at innovationplace.com slash startupville and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at StartupvillePod. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us rise up the ranks. See you next time on Startupville.